Welcome to the Dave Mars Show, everyone. It's great to have you here. The best way to support this show is completely free. It really mean a lot to me and be a huge help if you could leave me a review on Apple Podcast or just share the show with your friends in any way you can. Another way to support the show is signing up for my email list using the link in the show notes in the description. Members of my email list will get to submit Q&A questions, which I'll be answering every few weeks on the podcast. I really appreciate the support, everyone. Let's get started with today's show. Welcome back to the Dave Morrow Show, everyone. It's great to have you here. So in today's episode, I wanted to talk to you guys about making so-called risky decisions. One thing I often come in contact with when talking with people about things that they want to build in life or do in life, but they're really scared to, is that they have really bad decision making for how to calculate actual risks in their life. And this often keeps them from making decisions that are actually in their best interest. So my goal with this episode is to help you guys clearly define what is actually a risky decision and what isn't, and to help you justify specific decisions in your life that will lead you to an overall better life in general. This can be a better life creatively. It can be a better life in business, in work, or anything else. So this is all about making so-called risky decisions and how to justify them. And you can use this decision-making process for anything that you do in life. So first off, I want to lay out how this looks. So whenever you're making any decision, you're going to be making a cost-benefit analysis inside your mind. So whenever I look at decisions, let's just give an example here so it's easy to lay out. When I decided to quit my engineering job and do photography full-time, I needed to be able to make that decision and justify it clearly in my mind. So when I thought about that, I could say, well, what are all of the negatives or downsides of leaving my engineering job to do landscape photography full time? Well, I can think of a few downsides. One downside is, well, I might fail at designing a landscape photography business. And if I do fail, what's actually going to happen? So a lot of people, when they say they're going to fail, they just stop at the failure part and they don't define what the failure actually looks like. So with the landscape photography business that I built, leaving my old engineering job, if I were to fail at building a landscape photography business, what would that actually look like? And to me, it looked like having to actually just return to my old job. So even though people might think that it's a big failure if you try to go out and start a business on your own or do this big creative project on your own, Oftentimes, failure just means reverting to what you were doing before. And even though that you're reverting to what you're doing before, you learned all of this new information about what you tried to do. And now you can go back to the drawing board and redo things again. So what is perceived often as a big risk or a potential failure often ends not being that risky at all. And then you can also look at the potential upsides here. So The potential upsides of me quitting my engineering job and doing landscape photography full-time were almost infinite, meaning I couldn't even foresee all the different pathways that this would open in my life. So first of all, I'd be able to work on something I really enjoyed every day. I'd be able to be my own boss. I'd be able to have money-making potential and creative potential that were essentially unlimited depending on how much work I wanted to put in. I mean, of course, not unlimited, but as much as I wanted to do or wanted to put forward, that would be the output that came from it. So I would also be able to travel. I would be able to go backpacking whenever I wanted. I would be able to design things that I wanted. And I could write out an extremely long list here. 
But anytime I'm trying to define if it's a risky decision or not, I first look at one major source of information. Number one, do I have a downside that is capped? And by a capped downside, I mean, do I actually know what the worst case scenario is? For the worst case scenario of leaving my engineering job and doing photography full-time, I knew that the worst case was just going back to another engineering job. So the downside was capped, meaning it was limited. It's not like I was going to die or be homeless or not ever be able to make money again. So when most people think of failure, they think of this horrible thing that they paint inside their mind, but they don't actually define what that thing is. And by not defining it, it just becomes this monster that they continue to run away from. So they don't make so-called risky decisions. So any decision I'm looking at that seems to be risky, if it has a capped or limited downside, but an infinite positive upside, I'm almost always going to take that bet and make the so-called risky decision because I could have all of these things happen to me on the upside and hardly anything happened to me on the downside. Now, sometimes your downsides get worse and worse. So if one of the downsides was dying and there was a high probability of dying from risking myself to go start a photography business, then this would be a completely different calculation, but that doesn't happen to be the case. So another way that you could look at this is with anything in your life, if you have this gut instinct feeling that you should make this so-called risky decision and you can cap the downside with something that you're comfortable with, and then you have a potential unlimited or very high, say 10 or 100x upside, then it seems like a good idea to take that so-called risk and see what happens with it because you know what the downside is going to be, but you don't foresee all the potential upside possibilities, which could be even better than you could even imagine in your current mindset. So if anybody is having a hard time conceptualizing this, I can also do it in terms of investment. And of course, this is not investment advice. I'm not a professional investor, but I do investing in my life because I think this is a way for me to use my money and get it into companies that I have confidence in or get it into ideas that I have confidence in instead of just sitting it in the bank and losing money due to inflation as it just sits there year over year. So like I said, not investment advice, but you could apply this same technique to investing. So I'll give you guys a scenario of what I did in the past for a specific investment. And you can see how this capped downside and unlimited upside could play out. So about six years ago, I started looking into Bitcoin because people started talking about it more and more. And I looked into the actual physics and the first principles of Bitcoin and how it worked and how it operated. And from a physics and first principles perspective, it looked like a really solid long-term investment for me. And I'm somebody that if I'm going to invest money, it's something that I actually think will make a positive change in the world. And I also think it will be something I'm going to stay in for five plus years and I won't touch the money inside that five year. So these are just my own personal rules. Like I said, not investment advice. But when I'm looking at Bitcoin, I could just make up a number here. So let's say that I wanted to invest $10,000 in Bitcoin six years ago. Well, the capped downside was that Worst case scenario, I would lose that $10,000. So if you can pick a number to invest with that you don't mind losing, and then you have a potential unlimited upside, 
then it sounds like a pretty good long-term investment. And obviously you shouldn't make risky investments with all your retirement accounts, but if you had some side money, at least this is what I do, any extra side money, I make some so-called risky investments and in things that I want to see succeed. So on the downside, I could lose $10,000. On the upside, while it's unlimited, Bitcoin might 10x, it might 100x, it might 1,000x. And just from six years ago, you guys can look up what Bitcoin has done in the last six years, but the potential downside was capped at a certain amount of money. If I'm willing to lose that for the potential infinite upside, well, then I can say and justify that that would be a good decision for me. And realistically, when I'm looking at investments or any other decision-making things, realistically, if you invest a set amount of money in an investment and it's been around for a long enough time that it's starting to have some market capitalization, meaning it's got some money already invested in it, it's probably not going to go to zero and just disappear. It's not like this is a penny stock. So maybe it only goes to half. And if you invested $10,000, maybe it goes down to $5,000. So you lose $5,000 instead. But I always like to just justify it as I'll lose it all on the downside. And I like to know what that worst case downside scenario with is. And if I can sleep at night and I'm comfortable with that, if it has this really massive upside that it could give me a bunch of money in the future and I just see money as time and freedom. I don't see money as something I'm trying to accumulate. I just use it as a tool in my life. And everything can be used as a tool. If you don't understand the tools that you need, then you end up not having these levers that you can move in life to make your life a lot better. Or you end up passing, a, I guess you end up passing by on these things could also help other people. So by investing in things I care about and investing in projects I care about and investing my money in long-term things that I care about. I see this just like investing in my business. I invest a lot of time and money in my business because I know that the downside is capped and the upside is unlimited. And I also invest time and money in looking into other businesses that I think have really good potentials to change the world. And if I can cap the downside with unlimited upside, I'm going to jump on board if it's something that I can sleep with at night. So like I said, this is just my decision-making criteria for how I look at things. And this was how that I, this is how we would make decisions in engineering as well. You want to know that you can cap your downsides without people dying with getting potential upsides from the decisions you're making. And often this is the decisions within engineering of how strong to build something versus how much it's actually going to cost to build it. So an example of this would be if you engineered every bridge to be 100% safe for all of eternity, the bridges would get really heavy and really expensive to build. So in turn, when you're engineering bridges and airplanes and everything else, you're going to do this analysis between the payoffs of the bridge lasting for, say, 50 years and then have inspections versus the bridge being good for all of eternity. And that's going to cut your prices down a lot so you can actually build this bridge in reality versus just having this voodoo idea in your mind of something that might work. And this is often what happens with the disconnect between people that teach in universities all their life and then people that actually do engineering where they're building something or I guess I should say designing something in their mind and then they actually have to build it in the real world. Often when people are just in the university system their whole life, they can just design something in their mind and then they just get in this, I guess you could say, um, what would be a good way of putting this? They just get in this infinite feedback loop of people that are telling them that be the correct way, but they don't have to test it in reality. So they never know if the thing would actually work in real life or not. So that's why I always like to test my ideas that I come up with in my mind 
in reality. And the internet is the best tool for this that we've ever had because you can test ideas very quickly with very low downsides, almost free, right? You could start a business tomorrow and you can run it on the internet and you can get ideas out there and it might cost you $200 a year. So your downside is your ego and a $200 charge that it starts to do a website and some of your time. But the upside is almost infinite. So you can run these experiments all the time for very low downsides that are capped with unlimited upsides. And if you run a bunch of these experiments and you think about this, let's say you run a hundred of these experiments over your lifetime where you start all these different projects for different reasons. And all of them have capped downsides that you can sleep with at night and you don't think will destroy you over the long term. And then all of these experiments also have infinite upsides. Well, if you think about this, you can fail at 99 of these experiments and you'll lose the downside, which isn't too much. But if you hit on one of these experiments and the upside is say 10 or 100x or even higher than that, then you don't have to hit on that many experiments and be successful to be overall successful in your life. So that's how I look at any decision making that I'm going to be doing in my life. And it's very hard to learn to apply this at first because things can feel scary until you have an actual framework to apply to them. And then you can start to justify it and say, oh, this is actually a good decision to make. And it's weird that other people aren't making it. So I see a lot of things that are arising every few years as far as investment opportunities, as far as business opportunities, as far as things that I want to build in life. And everybody else is thinking to themselves, at least that I see talking on the internet and stuff, they're thinking to themselves, this seems way too risky. And then I look at it with that little criteria that I just gave you. And I say to myself, it actually isn't that risky if you're able to justify it in a specific way. So everybody obviously has different ability to justify risk in their life. I'm not saying do risky stuff, but if you are going to do something with perceived risk, make sure you're able to justify it. So hopefully that helps you guys out. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. The best way to support this show is completely free. It really mean a lot to me and be a huge help if you could leave me a review on Apple Podcast or just share the show with your friends in any way you can. Another way to support the show is signing up for my email list using the link in the show notes in the description. Members of my email list will get to submit Q&A questions, which I'll be answering every few weeks on the podcast. I really appreciate the support, everyone.